Some prayer here this morning before we start and we had a tragedy happen yesterday another one in Pittsburgh uh, gunman came in and went off so we want to stand uh, with the victims and their families and and all the all the atrocities we don't hear about and we don't see so would you please join me in prayer Lord we thank you that even in the midst of all of this terror and heartache and suffering, you're still good. Thank you that our behavior does not change your goodness. It does not change how you lavish your love upon us. So even in tragedy, we honor you and we glorify you. We pray a blessing over the families that are experiencing tremendous loss and may have questions and I can't imagine. May they feel your presence, Jesus, in a real, tangible way. May they feel your peace that surpasses even the tragedy of their circumstances. Show us how we are to walk with you and walk with others in times like this. Show us as your church how we are to respond. And Lord, we do, uh, we pray for our country. That seems good at dividing itself. And I pray that people will come to know that your, your name, 
who you are is the only thing that brings unity. Not the right strategies, not the right political alignment, just you. So we pray that this country would turn to you. And would you continue to help us see that we model who you are to the people around us in this country. So when we leave this place, may people encounter unconditional love through the way um, we engage you and who you are in us. But even in the midst of this, we consider um, everything in your presence, the purest of joy. And there's joy even in the midst of this. So uh, may we be with you as you are with us this morning. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. Amen. He's really, really good. Well, those of you that are um, visiting or um, visit here a few times, just want to quick, every once in a while, I like to give a quick recap of just what we've been doing the last two, three years. Where are we? <laughs> and we've been in the book of Romans for a few years now, and we'll probably be in it in a few years, a few years more, however long God wants us in it. It doesn't really matter. But uh, to remind us that we're in it for the reason of learning how to yoke ourselves to Jesus and hold and sit in the tensions of life. Raise your hand if you find that life tests your relationship with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jesus is the only way that can show us how to sit in that tension through the movement and direction of his Holy Spirit. And, and we've used many scriptures to illustrate how Jesus does this. Because when you look, if you even look at the political landscape, if you look at our culture, there's very extreme ways of doing things, one or the other. You're in this bucket or you're in this bucket and you have to have an opinion that fits in these ways on, on anything. And Jesus does something different. He doesn't play by our rules. And when we see him with the woman that was caught in adultery who was held to Jewish law because she was Jewish and she was used as a trap, her circumstances were used as a trap to trap Jesus by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And they got rocked because they were expecting Jesus to either condemn it or what? Condone it. There was not an in-between of something else. It was one of these two things. And so we have the famous line where he says, he who is, not, is without sin cast the first stone, and everyone starts to leave. And then it's just he and the woman, which is telling. It's just he and her. And I can't imagine what she felt, what she was going through. She's expecting to die, and then this happens. Now what? She's standing with him. Now what? And he says, Who here, who's here to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And then he says to her, then neither I condemn you. So if we ended there, we go, well, Jesus just condones sin. He condones that kind of behavior. She gets off. No. She had an authentic encounter with love incarnate. And said, I don't condemn you, but when you go, sin no more. Don't do this anymore. See, Jesus did something that wasn't on anyone's radar. 
And when we look at it, it still baffles me. Because uh, the teachers of the law thought they were in the right because it's God's law. And the God's law says this. But Jesus is the Lord of that and the fulfillment of that. And he did something else. So we're in Romans because it is a similar culture that he's speaking to that we're in now. And so how do we stay with Jesus in such a way that we learn to sit in attention with him and see what only he can show us? Only he can show us. If I'm left to myself, I make stupid choices. And they do not bear fruit. So this morning, we're going to continue in chapter 8, which is a, a, a famous chapter for Christians. I mean, we love chapter 8. There's so many nuggets in there and so many good things. And I, I have to be honest with you, my um, journey through this, the first 12, 13 verses has not been fun. I've read these Many, 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 many times, these verses. And it's kicking my keister. <laughs> Here's another way to put it. It's rocking me personally. Has anyone felt rocked at all as they've wrestled with what the Lord's saying through Romans and especially chapter 8? Anyone other than me? Anybody? You can throw those hands up high so I can feel better about me. Thank you. Fantastic. It's a lot to wrestle with. And, and so this morning, we're going to focus... On verses 12 and 13, I'm going to read 11 through 14, um, and then Sharon will tackle 14 and following uh, next week, unless the Lord changes that, which is entirely possible. I just gave you an out there, Sharon. You're welcome. But these few verses have rocked me to my very core, and when I saw that, I I knew that my name was going to end up next to these verses, and I panicked. Um, because when, how, how many of you have taught a Bible study or a small group and you had an agenda going into that, that meeting and prior to it, what do you find that happens to you prior to teaching something? Live it. What? Live it. You live it. Oh, that's so fun. Sign me up for that. How many go, well, this is amazing. I love this. Now, when you get through it, you learn some great things and you praise God. But the process usually is excruciating. For me, it's like going to the dentist. I know my teeth will be okay after the fact, but I am petrified of that giant light in my face and people working on my teeth. I don't like it. (laughs) And that's kind of how it feels. So without further ado, let's get into this. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, it's the Word of God, and we want to bring them every week, whether it's on your phone, your pad, um, or you have the hard copy. We want to turn to Romans chapter 8. Again, I'll be reading 11 through 14, but we will be focusing on 12 through 13. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature or to living according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are his children. 
verse 12 and 13 again. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. Or to living according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, <laughs> you live according to the flesh, you die. Awesome. <laughs> so encouraged by that. Because I'll tell you what, the things of the sinful nature come really easy to me. I probably have a PhD in it. I'm good at it. And you're telling me it leads to death. But if we partnered, now there's something that we can do. It says if you put to death those misdeeds through whom? The Holy Spirit, you will experience life. Now here's where the tension is. One comes very natural to me, the other does not. And they're in conflict all the time in me. How about you? I mean, every decision I have to make, I'm always, they're always in conflict. Because here's the thing, the sinful nature can make things look really good and holy according to what I would call holy. And I take the fool's gold and I experience a little bit of that death that scripture is talking about. When I was, how many of you have a sweet tooth? Other than me, come on, own it. Be proud of it. Raise those hands high. I want to see them. Look around. Let everyone else. We can go to dessert after. Okay? You have a sweet tooth. How many take sweet tooth to a whole nother level? Oh, it's like, it's a spiritual experience. How many of dinner is just warm up for dessert? Yeah. Well, as a diabetic, I'm telling you, I have a sugar problem. Very, very true. I love sugar and dessert. I love it. I love it. It is so good. But it's not always what? Good for you. My kids watch this show, this show that's like the new Sesame Street called Storybots. And if you have little kids, it's one of the most irritating shows ever. <laughs> and I was doing something in the room, and, and the kids are watching Storybots, and it teaches you good educational things, but I hear they're watching an episode on dessert, and every episode starts with a kid asking the Storybots a question, and the Storybots go on this adventure. Now, I've never watched it. I've just heard it, and it's burned in my mind. And the question was, can you, why can't you have dessert all the time? And they're explaining this, and I'm going to my mind, you can <laughs> but it's not good for you. And when I was in college, I loved, oh, even more so dessert. Because you tell me I can't have something, you know what I say to that back then? <laughs> so when my doctor goes, you have diabetes now, you can't eat this stuff. I'm like, just watch me. You gave me a big syringe with a lot of insulin. You watch how I use the whole thing. It's going to happen. And no, that's not good. It's not good. But that was my first year. And I went to this one restaurant, and I would look for restaurants that had that one thing on the menu that they challenge you to eat. You know, like, yeah. And they had this thing called Death by Chocolate. Man, was it calling my name. And it was an ice cream cake slice that was this big. No joke. And it had frozen hot fudge on it, which it doesn't make sense. But, and then hot fudge on top of that. 
with brownie and broccoli. I mean, it was just insane. So I had this fried food for dinner because, you know, that really helps you prepare for dessert. And my friends are there. And I, have, I even have a bib. And so I made like a bib out of all the napkins. I tied them together. I mean, it was terrible. Fork in hand, water in hand. Got to pace myself. I understand how to eat dessert. You eat too fast, you can't finish it. So I get through three quarters of it like a hummingbird. I'm like, oh, I'm going I'm to crush this. This is happening. And it's amazing how quickly the wall can come. <laughs> and about one bite after, I'm like, I've got this. Everything in me was saying, no. <laughs> and then I ate two more bites going against what everything in me was saying. And I went straight to the bathroom and got sick. <laughs> and I thought, challenge accepted. So I came back the next week. And I ate fried food again. I did the same thing. I'm, I'm going to crush this thing. And my friends are here going, you're stupid. <laughs> I know this. I know this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so I'm like, I'm entitled to this. I can't have sugar. I can't. I'm entitled to this. I'm going to eat this thing. I get 75%. I'm like, here we go. I know, where I, I know where I went wrong. And so I, two more in, boom, got sick again. Well, third time's a charm. I came back the next week. Oh, you betcha. Quoting my fellow Minnesotans. This time I had a salad. What? Boom. Got through 75% of that. I'm like, I'm good. Check. Took me a long time to get there. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Two bites in. Bam. Sick again. And I finally gave up. Because oftentimes what we think we're entitled to will cause death. And well, they call it death by chocolate for a reason. Now, it may seem like a silly illustration, but it's a simple one that makes us understand the things that we think we want or we need according to what everything here is telling us, oftentimes, more times than not, produces a type of death within us. Now, in Scripture here, what we see, and a lot of scholars will say this is, this is what it means by death and life, and it's true. What they say is true is that it's eternal death and eternal life, and that's true. I mean, if we don't accept Jesus, we walk with Jesus. If we reject him, well, we're not going to be with him. But if we engage him and turn towards him, there's life. But it's not just death and life eternal. It also, there's kinds of death that we go through here, and Parts of life we go through here. When I shout at my kids because I'm cranky and they just smiled at me the wrong way and I shout at them, a little bit of me dies after I walk away from that because I'm grumpy. They're irritating me just by being overly happy. <laughs> it seems dumb, but we do dumb things for dumb reasons. And a little bit of me dies. When I overreact, instead of respond patiently to my kids, a little bit of me dies. When I, when I reject someone who needs my help because I feel inconvenienced, I'm tired, I am entitled to space, I'm entitled to this, but I feel the Lord leading, and I, I reject that, a little bit of me dies. Because I'm listening to the flesh within me and not the Holy Spirit. It's always in conflict. How many feel that day in, day out? And the sinful nature can make things look really good and holy. 
that are not. When you look at the landscape of our, just our country, we have to assign blame because someone's got to be responsible. That's our natural inclination. We have to have a reason for something. We have to go at what we think is injustice. We have to do all this stuff. And I'm not talking about the justice Jesus is going after. I'm talking about our own sense of stuff. And then we, what we do is we fracture relationships. We cause divisions, but then we call it right according to what we think is right. That's when we partner with the natural, with the sinful nature, with the flesh. I don't understand when Jesus says, love your enemy. No, thank you. Sometimes the best thing is a sound effect, not a word. I don't get that. What do you mean? Well, Holy Spirit is leaving you love this person despite them being your enemy the way that God loves them. That doesn't make sense to me. My flesh says this. Boom, punishment. Boom, retaliation. But that doesn't lead to life. It goes from the little mundane things in life to the big things. It's all over the place. Scripture says that what, the, what sin wants is contrary to what the Spirit wants. We have an enemy. He hates you. He doesn't want you partnering with the Holy Spirit. He, does, he hates God. He wants to be God. And he will do anything to separate you from him. Even if he has to pretend to be him. Now, Sometimes we don't like hearing about all the Satan's of enemy. It doesn't make it any less true. And the Holy Spirit leads us through. We have to remember Jesus put the enemy under his heel. He's done. We are told in Scripture we have no obligation to owe anything to the sinful nature anymore because of what Jesus did with his heel on the cross to the enemy. You don't owe your sinful nature anything. Everything we do here is a precious moment. And Paul says in verse 1, chapter 1, I, Paul, a slave to Christ. And that means this. All his moments now are God's moments. Your life with Jesus, which is, fleet, is fleeting like a moment, is his moment. It's not yours anymore. And the more we can surrender to that daily, the more we are partnering with the Holy Spirit to get rid of those misdeeds that the sinful nature tells us we're owed based off our circumstances. The last four weeks for me have been very challenging. I've been really sick and when you get really sick and you're not getting better and you're not used to getting sick, you love people, you're super patient, um, you just want to be around people all the time, right? No! It's like, Paul, don't smile at me that way. Get out of here. Right? <laughs> you, you have no patience. Your, your barriers, your protection, your... You're straight, it's down. All your barriers are down and you are just open for everything. You have questions of why is this happening? Why is it not getting better? You get super irritated. People being nice to you is like, what do you want? I don't have any money. And Shanna's like, we, we have the same money. 
But it's very easy to get to a place of destruction when you feel completely weak. Why? Which is why Jesus says, when you are weak, what? I am strong, but my weakness has to meet his strength. If I don't go towards him and surrender that which I think I'm owed because I feel like garbage, I cannot be strengthened by his Holy Spirit and experience life in the midst of feeling like garbage. I can't do it. It won't happen. And I felt really distant from the Lord because I didn't know how to make that leap in my current state. And my life is great, but when you're not feeling well, everything looks dumb. (laughs) You know, that's a real big vocab word for you guys. Super fancy. It feels dumb, right? It's like, oh, my life's falling apart. No, it's not. It feels that way because you're undone and you have no control. Get used to it. The sinful nature says you need to have control. And Jesus says you have to lose it. It's the only way you can be led by my Holy Spirit and experience the strengthening power of who I am. So, true to form, I whined like a little baby. And last weekend, one of the things that uh, is a way that I connect with Jesus is I like to paint. And for some reason, when I was painting, it wasn't happening. I said, Lord, what do you want to say? This is me and you. Let's do this. I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling anymore. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel distant from you. I feel like I've left my center, which is you. So let's do this thing. So I'm like, I'm gonna, if he's not going to make it happen, I'm going to make it happen. So I'm doing all this, and, and I look, and I step, and I go, oh, that looks like garbage. I stink at this. I'm wrong. My self-talk's really healthy at this point. And I, I'm getting frustrated, and I'm getting angry, and I'm getting resentful. And it's, and it's not even about this. It's about everything else. Because I felt like I was owed something. I felt like I was entitled to something. Someone take care of me. Someone and everyone is taking care of me. But I don't see it that way. I just feel miserable. And everyone else needs to be miserable and receive the blame I have to put on them. <laughs> That's how, you, that's how I feel. I mean, it's un, uncensored. That's how you feel. And so I'm like, I'm going to go upstairs. The kids are saying, I'm going to go upstairs. And I'm going to whine to Shano about it. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. So I walk upstairs and Shanna's in the kitchen. She's sitting at the counter at the aisle or the, the island. And I'm, I'm like raising my voice, not her, just that frustration. And I don't usually raise my voice unless it's at the kids. And so... <laughs> I'm going, oh, I'm just so frustrated. And, ah. and at the same time, I am saying, Lord, I need your help. I'm desperate. I feel like a bird's eye view. My circumstances are great. I have a loving wife. I have wonderful kids. I have a wonderful church family. But inwardly, I feel like I'm dying for some reason. And I feel like it's self-inflicted. It's not anyone's fault. And I don't know where to go with this. And I'm thinking this while I'm shouting. And I'm like, oh, I'm terrible at this. And you know what the sinful nature goes for first? Your value. Always. Now that's an absolute word, but I'll tell you what, anytime the sinful nature in my life is talking, it's always diminishing my value. And it may not be bluntly and abruptly, but it's happening. And I go, I'm terrible at this. And I'm this and I'm that. And little did I know that my three-year-old boy was on the other side of that island and I couldn't see him. And Emmett walks around, he's marching, and I can hear boom, boom, boom. 
And even though I could hear him, I was still startled by him. And he looks up at me like he's just macho man. He goes, stop it. Go to your room. No. (laughs) Dad, stop it. Now, I had asked the Lord. I pleaded with him. I need something. And he sent someone that I would not have chosen because my sinful nature and my natural inclination is, can you send me a wise person? Can you send me someone that knows what I'm going through? But instead, my three-year-old boy, Emmett, comes up to me and says, stop it, and immediately goes after my value. You're a great painter. So he said to me, he goes, go finish what you started. No joke. And then he got back to being irritating. Just like that. You better believe I marched my butt right downstairs and finished what I started. And I felt a a lifting happen. Because everything in me was saying I need this and this and that and this and this and this and that and this and that and this and that. And God used the voice of a child to say, stop it. He loves you no matter what. Go partner with him again and finish what you started with him. When we say yes to him, we need to finish what we start. He didn't die so you run part of the race. He died so you win it. And you do it with him. The sinful nature says you can do it alone. You can't. We need him and we need each other. Or it doesn't happen. But these two things are always in conflict. But Jesus says, you stay with me, and this doesn't have the power. Do you feel it? You feel it. But this is greater. Here, there's life. Our world needs to hear the voice of Christ, not us. We're his moments. Every one of you are his moments. That's not my moment. It's his. I've given that up. I gave it up. And he says, the church is my moment. It's my voice. It's my heartbeat. It's my bride of greatest price. And we got to stop believing the lies that our sinful nature tells us. And it goes from anything and everything. It tells us to leave churches over stupid things. It tells us to break friendships over stupid things. It tells us to leave families for stupid things and hard things that we should probably step into with Jesus. He will say all kinds of things that seem right, but there's only one that is righteous, and it's not the sinful nature. This is why Paul says over and over, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. The flesh, sound effect. Holy Spirit. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you that we have the gift of your Holy Spirit. May we be so courageous and daring and to the world reckless enough to trust you, even in the sorrow, even in the mundane, even in a place of 
stagnant movement. Even in the moments of doubt and questions, may we trust you. We feel that sometimes once we step into your presence, we're going to get to know the answers to everything we want to know the answers to, and that's just not true. We're not going to have answers to all the why questions, but we will have an answer to who we can trust, and we can trust you even in the not knowing. I don't want to know the reason for everything. I just want to trust you. Help us as a church family continue to trust you so that we continue to turn away from what the sinful nature says we need and turn toward the one we do need. And we don't only need you, we want you. Just you. Sometimes we want things so desperately because they provide something. Help us want you more than just what you provide. We want you because of who you are. And it's far greater than any sorrow, any unanswered question, and any joy or riches the world can produce. So Lord, we continue to walk with you as you are walking with us. And help us as a church family walk with each other, even through the hard things. Life in you is not easy, but it's joyful and good. And you are greater than anything the enemy can throw at us. You had the final word. The enemy has been crushed under your heel. Help us believe and trust that. So we thank you, Lord. We are grateful for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus Christ. 